Have you had a pumpkin spice latte yet, Father? No, but I had a pumpkin scone this morning with my coffee. Oh, nothing says fall like pumpkin. Pumpkin, yes. Are you calling me pumpkin? Oh, I wouldn't call you that. <laughs> you call me some other things, though. <laughs> kind of a squash. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael Puff is here with Father Herb Weber. And I'm Father Weber, Father Herb. Re- you know, when Father's in trouble, I call him Reverend Weber, just to, so he knows that I'm using my... Oh, I... I never heard you. Am I in trouble with you? Well, you're never in trouble. It's usually the other way around. (laughs) Generally, yes. (laughs) Anyway, hello, everybody. It's time to talk about the 30th. Is that really true? The 30th Sunday of Ordinary Time? I mean, this fall is flying by. Yes. It's all that pumpkin in your system. And it's just making me feel... I have not had a pumpkin spice latte yet this fall. Well, I don't do latte. I think that's kind of a waste. If I'm going to drink coffee, I'm going to drink coffee. Something that puts good hair on maybe, your chest. Maybe espresso. So, with a, du- a double shot. Yes. Have you ever ordered, like in a foreign country, uh, ordered a coffee and it's called Americano? Yes. Well, you, I don't you, go to many foreign countries, but okay. I know what you're talking but, but, about. But if you think you're just ordering an American coffee, wrong. It's a regular coffee with a shot of espresso in it. Really? And that will keep you up for, I found out, kept me up for three days. <laughs> I will say... As I don't think I'm new to coffee anymore. I've been drinking coffee for maybe two for, or three years now. I, I, I taught him how to drink coffee, folks. He's taught me a lot, but coffee is probably one of the best things that you've given me. I, I just find, especially this time of year, it's delightful. It's just a great way to start the There's day. There's nothing better than having a cup of coffee uh, over the open fire yeah. around uh, at a campground early in the morning in a tin cup. That no, you lost me at yeah. campground and tin cup. Well, the, the the cup is one of those. Remember those old ones? They're sort of enameled blue with little spots. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, having that on a brisk morning. Yeah. After you've been camping, get out of your sleeping bag, and somebody's already built the fire, and you drink the cup of coffee, and it's really gritty because a lot of the grounds are still in it. Yeah. And you have to use your teeth to sieve out the grounds. You. You clearly don't know me well. I <laughs> you don't camp. Camp okay. camping is not my thing. But I I will say my my grandmother um, was a beautiful person inside and out, and she always always had a cup of coffee after dinner with dessert. And I am finding such beautiful wisdom in that, especially this time of year after the girls go to bed. Make a cup of decaf so you're not up all night. Have something yummy to eat with it, and uh, have the fire roaring. Oh, it's great. We should probably talk about something else. I though. think we should. Okay. Well, uh, you're you're talking about camping because you're getting ready to, ready I, to go on your annual trip. My I'm leaving Sunday after mass. That would be this coming Sunday, the twenty first. Yeah. Now, so we disclaimer: are, we're recording early. We are recording early because I'm not going to miss a podcast just because I'm going to be off for a few days with my brothers. That's how committed to the podcast this priest is. Yes, I am. Okay. Every year for about twenty five years or so. Yeah. My brothers and I get together for about four days. That's about as much as we can handle of each other. About four days for what we call brother bonding. Yeah. And there originally were seven of us. I'm the seventh son. Yeah. And two are now deceased. And this year, one of them will not be joining us. So there'll be four of us. Okay. We not only get together every year, but we go to a different state every year. So where were you last year? Last year, we were in the state of Maine. Okay, and this, this year, year Wisconsin. Oh, we we jump around. We just try to pick a place. Who decides? And, Is it? Oh, my brothers do. Be I'm the kid. Besides that, I'm working. They're retired. They've got time. You had a few things going on this fall. Yeah. Well, even last year when we set the date, I said it has to be 
after October 11th. And they said, is the dedication going to take place on October 11th? And I said, I don't know. That was a year out. <laughs> yeah, I said, right. but that's what we're shooting for, where everything was fine. Sure. And I said, don't do it the week after. So it's like the second week after the dedication. Nice. So as people are listening to this show, that that this is the day you're actually coming back. I'm coming back on the 25th. God willing. Okay, yes. All right. God willing, certainly. Yeah. Unless I decide to join a parish up in Wisconsin, <laughs> up in the wilderness. Well, you heard it first, people. If you don't see Father Herb this Sunday, you'll know what happened. Okay. Let's talk about the readings of October 30th. I'm sorry. October 28th, but the 13th. 30th. The 30th. Let's start all over. Can you tell that he's ready for vacation, folks? The 30th Sunday of Ordinary Time on October 28th. All right. Let's talk about it. It's also going to be the time at our parish when we do the anointing of the sick at the five o'clock Saturday mass, nine o'clock and 11 o'clock on Sunday. Yeah. And the reason I picked this weekend is because it's about a healing. So we can talk about the scripture reading. And then if we have a little bit of time, we'll talk about the sacrament of the sick. That sounds great. Sounds good. Let's jump into the gospel. And I'm going to ask you to read about Bartimaeus, one, right. of, one of our favorites. We're still in uh, the gospel of Mark, of course, chapter 10, if you're following along, verses 46 to 52. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see Jesus told him, Go your way, your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. You read that very well. You should be a priest. That, well, that ship has sailed, but... Uh, Maybe a deacon. I could be a deacon You someday. could be a gospel reader. I'll stick to podcasting Okay, for let's talk about this. The, every line has a special message. The first line, as Jesus was leaving Jericho. Okay, there's one road from Jericho to Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And that's the same place where the story of the Good Samaritan took place. It's a very there, popular there, road. There it was, Jerusalem to Jericho. This is Jericho to Jerusalem. But it's like, sa- the, it's like the old Route 66. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Except it, it go, far it, less diners it, it along go, the way. It goes through the hills, and it was and is still kind of a remote area. Okay. Okay, so he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. The whole gospel leads Jesus from the north country of Galilee to Jerusalem. Okay. And, of course... Jerusalem is kind of a a metaphor for suffering death and eventually resurrection. Sure. So Bartimaeus, Bar means son of. Oh, I didn't know that. Bar, Bar none. (laughs) But uh, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Right. So Bartimaeus is there. He's a blind beggar. Now, it's almost redundant because if you're blind, you have no occupation. You have to be a beggar. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's, he's creating a commotion along the way, but somehow he knows it's Jesus coming along. So what does he cry out? Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Okay, son of David. He's already acclaiming him as the Messiah. 
the mm-hmm. Messiah was to be born of the family and lineage of David. Okay. So he's already making an act of faith. Son of David, have pity on me. And I love the fact that the crowd rebuked him. Have, we ever, have, you, have you ever noticed how often we shush up the people on the periphery, on the side of the road, mm-hmm. the ones that, you know, they're, they're going to make our nice uh, procession into something that's a little bit messy. Oh, yeah. I've known a lot of good people who have said faith is always messy. You know, sure. it's, it's not clean. Anybody who wants a pristine church or the, the perfect liturgy has forgotten about people. Yeah. There's and always, pe- and people are kind of important. There's always the human element to it. The human element. So he cries out and they will say, keep quiet. You're, you're ruining the entrance procession. You're, <laughs> you're ruining that opening song that the choir has practiced. Right. So Jesus says, no, let him come. And then they turn things around and say, oh, don't be afraid of him. Come on. You know, right. they, they act so magnanimous at that point. As soon as Jesus tells him to act differently. Yeah. So take courage, get up. Jesus is calling you. The next line, he threw aside his cloak. That is significant. First of all, the cloak is what kept him warm day and night. It became the blanket at night. Mm -hmm. It was also probably where he collected coins. If people came by, because almsgiving was part of the the scriptures, people would throw coins, but he would collect it on the cloak, and he could probably feel it, so he would gather it up. So when he threw aside the, the cloak, he was throwing away the coins probably. He didn't quickly say, well, let me put these in my pocket first. Yeah. But it, he also was throwing away his means of collecting something. It was like an act of faith. I'm going to let go of that old part of my life. Or everything that I have. Yes. Right, really, it, it amounts to anything I that mean, was... I what, mean, what if you said, okay, Lord, I'm going to give up my piano? Well, good thing that we have two here now. <laughs> I'm going to give up both of my pianos. I still have I'm gonna, one at I'm home. I'm going to wear mittens. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he simply said, okay, I'm, a, I'm taking the plunge. The, yeah. I'm just letting go. I'm risking everything because, yes, he wanted to see, but he also wanted uh, somehow, he already saw. Any story about the gift of sight in scripture is also about the gift of sight that comes through faith. Mm. So his eyes of faith already saw who Jesus was. Yeah. So sight is always has to be read, not just in the physiological way, but also as uh, I want to come to know you. I want to see you, Lord. Isn't that a, a song? I want to see you, Lord. Uh, there's, uh, well, there's two songs. It's a, that probably come to mind. a popular lyric. Period. Uh, there's "Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, I Want to See You." That was like a popular contemporary song in the early 2000s. Uh, and then there's another one, uh, simply just called "Open My Eyes." Okay. The, well, the other day, the other day on the feast of Saint Teresa of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is Teresa of uh, Avila, the Spanish nun, yeah, the mystic of 400 years ago, they were talking about. I was reading about her life, and she's. She had run away from home when she was about nine years old. She wanted to go be martyred. She was Spanish, and the Moors were in the southern part of Spain. Okay. She wanted to run away and be martyred. And they said, "Why?" Do, they they caught her and brought her back. And they said, "Why do you want to do that? I want to be killed for Christ. And why do you want to be martyred so I can go to heaven because I want to see God?" Mm. 
Now that line to see God remained with her her entire life. She lived to be an old nun, mm. and in her mysticism and her deep and profound meditation, she did see God. And she didn't have to die immediately to be able to do that. Exactly. So I want to see, I want to see, Lord. And so Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately, Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus on the way. He didn't just say, hey, I got my sight. I'm going back to Jericho. I'm out of here. Yeah. No, he followed Jesus. The three lines that stick out to me in this as I was reading it, um, the first was, uh, take courage, get up. Jesus is calling on you, or as Jesus is calling you, um, could be such a, a beautiful line to meditate on anytime that we are lacking the courage or the the fortitude to stand up for something or to do something as a result of our faith, or maybe not even as a result of our faith, just in, in everyday life. Uh, the fact that, you know, Jesus is calling us to act. That was the first one that that spoke to me. The second one, and there's been a kind of a, a contemplative prayer I've done around this next one. Jesus saying to him and asking the question, what do you want me to do for you? And I remember going through kind of this guided prayer of what would, how would I, you respond if Jesus posed that question? What to do you? you want me to do for you? Yeah. I was looking at it much more analytically in comparison with the previous Sunday. There's James and John. If you remember the reading for, right. They want to sit on for, one on the right, one on the left. Exactly. The reading for the 21st yeah. of, of October. And they say, Jesus, Lord, we want you to do for us what we want you to do for us. Yeah. And this is the opposite. Jesus says, initiates and says, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah. Instead of being pushy and just telling the Lord, you, you wait for the Lord to ask you. You're right. Well, yeah, and look, look at the, the approach is so different between James and John and between Bartimaeus, the way that they are, they are approaching Jesus. In the well, remember, place. Bartimaeus is humble because he had to be. Yeah. He was on the lowest rung. Of society, yeah. The third, the third line that stuck out to me was his reply. Then, Master, I want to see. Very parallel to what you were talking about. You know, not only in physical sight, but just in terms of faith. How many times in my own life have I thought, "Man, I just wish I could look at this differently. I wish my faith were stronger. I wish I could be better." You know, whatever it may be. Um, so, I think there's a lot of great little tidbits in this gospel reading. There's probably hardly ever a better gospel reading for what we call Lexio Divina. Oh, yeah. And if, if people are not familiar with Lexio Divina, Divina, of course, is Latin for divine. Mm -hmm. Lexio, L-E-C-T-I-O, mm -hmm. is Latin for a reading. So mm -hmm. it's like a divine reading. It's a way of reading scripture. And usually it means you read it once slowly, mm -hmm. and the people involved, and it's often a small group of some sort, each person Afterwards, they don't jump into discussing it. Each person just figuratively highlights a word or a phrase that they heard. Yeah. And then it's read a second time, and sometimes you have another chance to do that, and then it's read a third time. But when you do that, the group members help each other hear different lines, and it's sometimes referred to as the African way of reading. Really? I didn't know that. I, I first heard about it from a missionary. And he, so I don't know if it was begun in a, in a society that was more uh, oral, yeah. that they did not have the written copy in front of them. I remember the first time I've, I ever did Lexio Divina was probably 10 years ago now at a retreat. 
and there are probably 40 to 50 people in the, um, in the room. And I remember, uh, the story that was read was the woman at the well, which is a long one to read that as Lexio Divina. That's yeah. a very extensive one to read two, three times, but that, that would take the whole retreat. It took a whole weekend. No, no, no. But <laughs> what was neat was with, even with 40 or 50 people in the room and that long of a story, not one person grasped onto the same word or phrase. We all took something different from it. And it was such a profound experience of how the scriptures are still alive and can speak to us in different ways, even when we're all hearing the same story. Many of our disciple groups are using Lexio Divina. So after the Sunday Mass and the proclamation of the gospel and the homily, yeah. then when they meet during that week, they go back to recall the gospel that they had read and they do it in a Lexio Divina approach to really immerse themselves. And then maybe they try to pick up on what they, they took with them from the Sunday homily. Yeah. Now, Lexio is also something that you can do individually if you don't have a group of people that you're with. Um, you know, even if you wanted to, you know, I use the Give Us This Day app on my phone, and it's an easy way to pull up the daily Mass readings and just have a little bit of time in the morning just to read through the Gospel for that day and just kind of pray through some of the words and the phrases, reading it a few times. It's a really easy way to, you know, if you're never sure of where to start in prayer and you just kind of sit down and you think, well, I don't really have anything to say, open Scripture. Scripture is a great place. And by the way, of course, you're talking about an app, but there are books. You've heard of books. Well, there's this one called the Bible. Yeah. Well, there are other books out there. Some have been written just on Lexio Divina, uh, starters for people. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm just an app guy. Because it's always with me. You're so app. Appetizing. Appetizer. Now I'm hungry. You're such an appy man. <laughs> All right. So really, a beautiful story this weekend in the Gospel of Mark. We've uh, we got about five minutes left. Do you want to look at some of the other No, readings? I'm going to talk about the Sacrament of Healing. You did say that. All right. Go ahead. Notice, folks, how much Michael listens to me. No, I just didn't. I do listen to you. I remember that. After 14 years. All right. Still listening. This sacrament is what used to be known among the older people as extreme unction. That sounds deadly. The word unction was Latin for anointing. Extreme was like in extremis, the extreme last moment of life. Extreme unction to me sounds like the next roller coaster at Cedar Point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we never, as kids, we never called it extreme unction. We carried the M sound over extreme unction. That sounds like a religious that, order. Yeah. <laughs> at Cedar Point. Monk, monks yeah. at Cedar Point. <laughs> Extreme unction. And if you ever watch the old um, MASH TV show, Father Mulcahy would be uh, praying over somebody, one of the wounded soldiers that was dying. Yeah. And it was done. It was the sacrament of the dying, virtually. With the Second Vatican Council, as all the sacraments re were reviewed, it became very clear, especially from the epistle of James, yeah. that it's really supposed to be the sacrament for the sick. Mm. So we anoint people before surgery. We anoint people in a chronic conditions. Uh, even when there's like weakness of aging that comes with aging. Sure. We don't, we don't say aging itself is a sickness, but sometimes there's weakness that comes with aging. We anoint people uh, in various treatments, like if they're going through... Uh, chemotherapy or something. Sure. And because of that, we also do communal anointing. We do it at Mass. And so we will be anointing again. Usually we try to do it here at least once a year. And I remember... Generally the in the fall? Generally in the fall. I remember what, the first year I think we had 
half a dozen people come up. Now it's a much larger group than that. But it's so beautiful to be able to do it right at Mass with a lot of other people praying for them. Sure. And they, they are not being put upon. You know, I think some places, you know, they they have a special Mass in the afternoon just for those to be anointed. And we're trying to say, no, it's a communal celebration. Sure. You know, my most recent memory of the anointing of the sick is when you came to the hospital to anoint my dad right before he died. Oh, yes. Um, but even at that, it wasn't just you in the hospital room with him. It was myself and my brothers, my family, all of us that it were there. It really ideally should be done with a family gathering, if possible. Yeah. It's not always. I anointed somebody yesterday who was alone in the hospital room. Sure. Because the family was not able to be there. But the other thing to remember is that I might be doing the anointing, but I represent the church. And in our diocese, all the oils are the oil of the sick, the chrism, which was used for the anointing of the altar at the dedication mass, and the oil of salvation or the oil of the catechumenate. Those three oils are all blessed at the chrism mass during Holy Week. Mm -hmm. And Bishop Thomas loves to have a great big vat in which he blesses the oil. Mm -hmm. Then the vat, this big, big container is carried out and put uh, the oils put into small little bottles which are sent home to all the parishes. Yeah. So while I'm doing the anointing here, it's taken from the same oil that's been used in 124 other parishes. So it's like a unity in this sacrament. And if you haven't stopped by the new Ambry yet in our new church, it's a little um, display case near the audio video booth and uh, actually near the baptismal font. Well, yes, but they <laughs> it is near the baptismal font. But you'll see all three oils displayed in there through a glass case. But yes. it is also near the audio. It is, booth. yes. All right, that takes our 23 minutes. It's come and gone. This is uh, always good to talk to you, Michael. About the only time I see you all week long. <laughs> all right, everybody, take care. God bless.